Welcome back to the Movie Babble podcast. This week, you've got myself and Nick as we're talking about uh, Sean Connery and kind of the legacy that he left, as well as what's going on with Netflix and some releases that we've seen lately, old or new. Um, so let's just go ahead and start off with talking about Sean Connery. Um, so he passed away yesterday morning, uh, which was Halloween, um, at the age of 90. Um, and yeah, he's just it feels like almost the size of like when Carrie Fisher died, like people that are this iconic are, are pretty rare. Um, like, you know, you don't find many people that have a career as long as Sean Connery's and really as illustrious. You look at, you know, he was, he was the first James Bond and like pretty much every actor that's played James Bond since then, um, he could have very easily disappeared and kept the sixties era. James Bond as kind of the prime of his career. But I honestly, I think like, the parts that he's more well known for now and honestly just some of his better work happened you know 30 years after what should have easily been this unknown actor's biggest role um and just like how iconic he is even for people that you know aren't super into his movies or, or don't really have a huge familiarity with him i mean just like the accent and the presence of sean connery is something that everybody really acknowledges um you, you really just like don't see many people that kind of achieve the status of icon or celebrity yeah he's a singular talent if there ever ever has been one he's just so so cool i think just the lasting image i have of him is in i think goldfinger where he's just the he has the cigarette just hanging off his lip and he's says bond james bond and it's just the coolest thing he's just so effortless in everything he does um, I just, yeah, I love him so, so much and everything he, he, he's in. And it, I do feel like it's a little bit bittersweet just in, outside of um, his death, which is just really sad. But he just kind of, he disappeared for the last um, two decades or so. And I mean, I'm sure he was incredibly well off, so good for him. But what was his like, last big movie? It was like the League of, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and that was 2000-something. Um so it does feel like there was maybe a last leg of his career where people could really enjoy enjoy him on screen for what just an awesome talent he is. But even then, he's just an amazing career, as you said, just so many different amazing roles. And the thing I do love about him is you look at something like his role in The Hunt for Red October where – He's just clearly a Scottish man <laughs> doing a Russian <laughs> accent. Like it, it just does not, obviously it does not work at all, but he's just so magnetic and so good that you literally do not care. You're like, fine, this Scottish man is Russian and he is just amazing. And that's kind of how I feel about him and everything where he, he has this sense about him where he knows he is really, really cool, but he's not arrogant about it. He's just very suave, obviously perfect for, James Bond and his performance in all of his Bond movies, I think really just set in stone what Bond just means to everybody. And it's the template that Daniel Craig goes after and every other Bond after him. He's just so effortless and so cool. Um, yeah, it's it's a real it's a real bummer. I would have loved to see him pop up in some movie recently, but you know, he's living his life and you can't fault him for anything like that. But yeah, he's it's it is a bummer. Just 2020 just keeps getting worse and worse. Yeah, and I think the last few years of his career um, before he entered retirement um, were just really chaotic because um, he was in The Avengers, which was this huge British spy show in the 60s, and the movie came and kind of flopped and also wasn't reviewed very well. And then um, there's the whole story that's been reported on quite a bit where uh, he was initially offered the role of Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. And he just didn't get the material for whatever reason. And so he kind of passed on that. And then like as part of that, he passed on that for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, which is just a movie that was so disastrous, just like as production and that just pissed him off so much that he quit working um, and entered retirement. He did two movies. One was a voiceover for a film about Scotland. Um, and the other one was a narrator for another film about Scotland um, that he did just just kind of favors but yeah, you, you see just like, I almost wonder if his career wasn't just cut short a little bit because he did get frustrated with things. And I mean, when you're Sean Connery at, at that point, you've been 
working in high profile roles for 40 years, you can retire pretty comfortably. Um, so I wonder what, you know, you know, is, is there a world where Sean Connery had done Lord of the Rings or had kept going or come back for Indy four, um, had some of these bigger kind of hits to his career not happened. Yeah. And I mean, you, we've seen other people like that, like Gene Hackman, like, like when was the last time he did a movie It's probably around the same time he stopped too, but some guys just want to, or they just feel like they're done. And I feel like it's just like any other job. I feel like it is funny when we, we think about, Oh yes, the art and the artistry and of all this stuff. And for a lot of this, like, yeah, it's still a job. And sometimes people are just tired and they want to go live their life. Jerry had just, a really solid amount of riches <laughs> to his name. He could relax. I think he was in the Bahamas when he died. Just that just sounds just very, very lovely if you're ever gonna go. But yeah, it would have been really cool to see him in a few more movies and pop up and things, but like you said, he's living his life and you can't you can't dispute just all the great things he's been in over the years. And he he's even one of those guys too where he just makes bad things just so much more watchable. Just because he's just so good. Like, he's just amazing. And he just brings a grace to everything he does. And yeah, it's just you will never see another Sean Connery because he's so specific and yet so, so cool and works so well in so many different things that he's just, he really is just one of a kind. Yeah, um, like, man, just an icon just throughout. Um, and I mean, for me, so his Indiana Jones movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and so I like, I normally watch it at least like once a year. And then for some reason this year, I'd seen it three times already. Um, and then like, I got a poster of it uh, for my birthday that I hung up on Thursday and was like, man, I kind of want to watch this again. I know I've already seen it a bunch this year. And then, yeah, he just like died the next day. And I was like, Oh man. Um, so I've definitely like always really gravitated towards that role. I mean, honestly, just like I feel like I have kind of a personal connection to him because uh, like the first time I ever got into drama in middle school and just kind of really engaged with the creative part of what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I played a character and as a 12 year old, I did my best Sean Connery accent for that character. <laughs> always like kind of tied him into like into that part of me as well. So it did it did weirdly feel personal, um, even though he's, you know. 67 years my senior and i've never met him but yeah there's been there's been so so many bad i'm not saying yours is bad i'm sure yours is great but there's <laughs> been so many bad bad um just accents or parodies of him over the years and um and just it's just like he's just so cool when he talks the way he way he speaks and it's just it's just so interesting and yeah he just he just popped up in so many things like using the the sydney lumet murder on the orient express um like he even made like things like remember like highlander 2 the quickening like he's in that <laughs> it's just like he just kind of makes it better you know like it's just he's in all in obviously like the, the untouchables and all these other things but he just even you look at right you have your bond movies and the rock and the last crusade and all these things, which I think what are the things that many people go to first, but he just, he's in all these other things too. And he's just, he's always mesmerizing. He's just one of those people that you just can't take your eye off of him, Even if he's putting in the most amount of effort or the least amount of effort, he's just better than frankly, a lot of everyone else on the screen. He's just, eh, just great. It's just, it really punched me in the gut when I saw the news yesterday. Yeah, and I think it's also, as you talk about just like his appearance, uh, he should also get some credit. He was named the sexiest man alive um, when he was 57, <laughs> the same year he did Indiana Jones. And then he was also the sexiest man of the century. Um, so he was quite the presence, according yeah, to People magazine, at least. <laughs> the people knows. Um, yeah, it's just, I really just like... The ways he just effortlessly moved through the screen and all of his Bond movies, like it's he's just so fucking cool. I think he just really personifies the idea of what cool means, and frankly, just like codified a lot of how we think of what cool is and suave. Um, just even more so than just codifying what Bond is in um, 
the general consciousness. Like he's just he's he's just so cool. He always will be. Uh, I definitely really want to go back and watch some of his stuff soon, and certainly fill in some of the gaps that um, I haven't seen from his because I feel like I am a little bit lacking in his filmography, and mostly just because again, like it's just it is kind of sad when you think about like people. There's a lot of people now who are teenagers who never saw uh Sean, Sean Connery on the big screen except for like maybe you're like you bring Last Crusade back in theaters for like a day or two like that's just that's just kind of a bummer so I feel like we all sh- we we all should just go back and watch some of his films and discover him once again because he just he really is just terrific yeah and I think you're just kind of touching on the the coolness of Sean Connery um as you if you look at the the bond movies of the 60s and 70s so um you know you look at him as the original bond and then roger moore is kind of the next big name in bond um and i i think the big difference is not that the fact that the movies are very different because i think the scripts and just a lot of the plot devices and the overall campiness is pretty similar because it was pretty much the same team behind the productions but connery's performance just keeps it so much more grounded and serious whereas Roger Moore comes in as just this really goofy, almost kind of slapstick bond. Um, and so, yeah, I think Sean Connery literally just defined cool for um, going on 60 years of, of movies and, and people um, at this point. Uh, and you just, you can't really underestimate, or you can't really overestimate that. Um, like he, he defined what it means to be suave. Um, you know, even if he does hit his women a time or two in the movies, but yeah. Uh, Some of that stuff is uh, not fortunately Bond moved well. beyond that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like some of the some of those Bond movies are unbelievably goofy. They're like you know, like Thunderball, which is just just very just bizarre movie. But yeah, it's him at the be- him at the front of it, it. It definitely grounds it a little more and adds a, like a certain gravitas to all of it. So you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can roll with this. Why not? <laughs> I'll go underwater with him. Sure. Like there are. That's definitely the case with him. It's just. It's it's really just the power of a star that we frankly are kind of it's kind of eluding us re- recently where like the star machine is going down and down and down and so when seeing him go you just realize how literally like like there won't be another Connery obviously but I feel like even in just terms of the movie landscape like we're seeing less and less stars so just thinking about the presence he brought is just even just more pronounced when you think of it that way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the original Bond movies do get pretty campy, um, and you only live twice. There's like a thirty minute chunk of the movie where he trains to become Japanese, um, <laughs> and it's like it, it just it feels pretty racist um, in today's terms. But that's like an actual plot point of the movie you know, with this like criminal organization he's trying to um, to infiltrate. And then um, just like a lot of his one-liners would just feel really stupid coming out of anybody else's mouth, um, but they just work. And then um, so when I found out that he died yesterday, I uh, changed my plans from watching horror movies all day to watching Connery movies all day. Uh, So I started off with Goldfinger, and I still think it holds up as one of, if not the best Bond movie. but yeah, he just like he brings so much to that movie because um, it's it's a fairly simple plot. The bad guy wants to blow up a bunch of gold so that his gold is worth more money. Um, there's like a knockout gas. Um, but Connery really grounds it, even though he's fighting a guy with a destructive hat. And like the biggest confrontation he has with Goldfinger is over a game of golf. Um, and just like doing so much with something that could very easily be pretty bland, uh, which I feel like in the era where they were cranking out bond movies once a year happened really easily. Uh, but man, when he shows up, he shows up. Yeah. There's what is the other, he has a, definitely there's a few bad beats in his filmography. There's like that one movie. Oh, what is it called? Oh, it's the, the one in the line where he plays like a Moroccan chief or something like that. Like it's, it's tough, you know, <laughs> like that would not have. So that's, that's not a thing that happens in 2020, but yeah, it's, you're right. Like, just like you have the golf scene and Goldfinger, it's really a lot of this is all kind of just window dressing for him to do his thing. So, and yeah, like 
maybe he got away with being a Moroccan chief at the time, you know, because he's just so magnetic. And obviously that's just not the way to do it. But yeah, he's just one of a kind, you know, you just, you watch him, you're like, fine, I'll watch him on screen for a really long time. Yeah. And it's funny just like how he ended up coming back to Bond twice without ever really meaning to. <laughs> um, just with uh, Diamonds Are Forever because they had to replace Lazenby, who I think audiences didn't really warm up to when Lazenby was like, I'm really only here for the one. Um, and so just like him coming back to that movie, which, you know, wasn't his plan. And then, you know, 14 years later coming back and, and doing it again with like the quasi official Bond movie, uh, which they titled Never Say Never Again because he'd already said Never Say Never and then come back for Bond. Um, so just like his willingness to do just. I guess kind of the the slop sometimes um, for whatever reasons, uh, but he still pulls it off. I think, you know, Never Say Never is still one of the better Bond movies, in my opinion. And even Diamonds Are Forever, which I understand like the hardcore Bond fans don't really like. Um, and kind of the opening sequence, you see almost like a Bond unhinged where he's going after the people that murdered his wife from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And there's a really good scene where he like, breaks into this facility to go kill Blofeld um, and like melts him basically, or at least melts the person he thinks is Blofeld. And it's, it's really intense for the bond of that era, uh, but really only Connery could pull it off. Yeah, it's, it really is a bummer. Do you, what would you say is your favorite performance or I guess movie from him? Is it last crusade? Yeah. Hands down last crusade, no contest. Yeah, it's it's been a minute since I've seen that. I got to go back and rewatch it. There's been a, I think a lot of my touch points with him are like I don't like I've definitely seen all of Goldfinger, but like not all in sequence. It's kind of like one of those things where people are like, oh yeah, I've seen Shawshank, but like never all at once because it's always just on like AMC or TNT or something like that. I feel like that's kind of my relationship to that movie, but um, I just can't get over like just. There's like the little things he does, like I mentioned before, where he just like the, how, the way the like the cigarette hangs off his lips, like it's just like no one does that. <laughs> like it's just so cool, the way he, the way he does things. So even not even seeing it all like all at once, I'd probably have to say Goldfinger. But yeah, Last Crusade is definitely up there too. Yeah, and I watched The Rock for the first time in about ten years um, yesterday, and so I remember I would have seen that. Man, probably when I was like 10 or 11, um, and I was like, this is the best movie ever. Um, I definitely didn't feel the same way yesterday, um, but it's kind of the same thing. Like, it's just a very chaotic movie, and, you know, Nick Cage is also being like his usual brand of chaos during that movie. Um, <laughs> the plot's just like all over the pace, and people are being blown up by missiles and like dissolving because of little poison orbs. And Sean Connery is like just talking about going home and fucking the prom queen. Um, and he just says what could easily be the cheesiest line of the movie with the straightest face. Um, and again, just like really grounds that movie when you have just like the chaos of a 90s Michael Bay um, and the chaos of a 90s Nicolas Cage in the same movie. Connery's really there to keep it centered. Yeah, it's. It's said it all right there. He's just, he's just, he's just great. I, I need to go back and see, watch a few of his things this week, but um, yeah, this just hit me hard. It's just, like Halloween, like we had, had a safe thing planned with a few, get together with a few friends and you just see this in the morning. You're like, wow, like I'm just kind of sad. Just like 2020 just never lets up and we only have two months now. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what else happens. I guess this goes up before the election on Tuesday. So maybe I shouldn't hold my breath, <laughs> but um, if anything happens to Betty white. <laughs> oh my, no, you spoke it into the world. No. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, uh, we'll definitely miss him. It's a, it's, it's a real shame. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more stuff that comes out about him over the next few days. Cause I've seen a few people come out and be like, yeah, this guy was just the best. And um, it's, it's sad. It really is. Yeah. I, uh, I've, so I've seen last crusade four times this year and uh, I'm not ruling out a fifth. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe like fifth and sixth or sixth and seventh or whatever too. It's, it's weird. Cause like, you know, I've definitely seen that movie before 
Um, I probably watch it about once a year. And then just for some reason this year, I'm just like probably about every three months. I'm like, you know what? I really want to watch tonight. I just want to watch Harrison Ford punch Nazis and Sean Connery wave his umbrella at a bunch of pigeons while making squawking noises. Uh, <laughs> but I do think uh, I'm just kind of talking about how he grounds a lot of these other franchises. I think um, Last Crusade is definitely the most personal of the Indiana Jones movies. It definitely feels a lot more intimate because um, really Indy doesn't have any strong relationships in in the the second one especially um and even his his main relationship with marion in, in the first movie is just kind of of a different kind um you know the the romance between them isn't really the point of the movie um whereas last crusade just feels a lot more human because there is this this ridge rift between um indy and his dad and and just watching that kind of play out and there's a really powerful scene where um right at the end of the movie indy's reaching for the grail and he's about to fall into a chasm um just like his lady friend just did and uh sean connery's character calls him by his nickname indiana for the first time um and you know he just connery says one word and it really just like grounds the whole movie and and really brings the heart of it out just in that one moment um so yeah he's he's definitely gonna be missed yeah, I'll I'll really miss him. It'll be it's a it's a real shame. So yeah, that is man, that is our thoughts on Sean Connery. Um, it, it's hard to really kind of encapsulate um, someone who has a legacy that's just that massive. Uh, but he's he's definitely going to be be missed. And to uh, wrap it up with a a quote from the Sandlot: "Heroes get remembered, but legends never die." Um, and I certainly don't think connery's legacy is ever gonna die yeah it's well we'll keep coming back to him again and again and again he's just he's just too cool just the best um yeah so moving on to things that will actually be forgotten um let's run through the (laughs) top 10 for this what a segue (laughs) (laughs) um it's pretty spooky no surprise um also you can see some christmas appeal popping up at the bottom uh, and really at the top two um, so for the top 10 this week in the u.s it was number one was holiday number two is rogue city his house at number three hubie halloween number four secrets of the sakara tomb number five over the moon number six paranorman number seven nobody sleeps in the woods tonight number eight the adams family number nine and the grinch number 10 um so again nothing kind of major this week we've had you know a few weeks like that since the trial of chicago 7 and hubie halloween um but nothing that's really shaken up netflix or you know drawing in your tiger king crowds this week um it's definitely shifting into the holiday season holiday is kind of their first big holiday movie for the year um so it's the top 10 is bookended with christmas movies with holiday at number one and the grinch at number 10 um but other than that there's just nothing really crazy going on with with the good old Netflix top 10 list. So, Colin, what are your thoughts on Hubie Halloween? I really liked the part where <laughs> Hubie, um, when he said the, the thing he said about Halloween, I, did, I don't want to get into any spoilers. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to have the holiday perspective. Until you actually watch it, I'm just going to ask you about how what you think of Hubie Halloween. We built it up too much for it to just be like, all right, I haven't, wa- I didn't watch the movie, <laughs> so it might be April 2025, and if you haven't seen Hubie Halloween yet, I'm still going to ask you about it. Um, you know what? When uh, the new, I was going to say when the New Mutants gets released, but that's already been released. What's the new <laughs> shifting date? When the King's Man finally gets released, then <laughs> I'll watch uh, Hubie Halloween. Fair enough. All right. Well, tune in next week for. More non-Hubie thoughts, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure this list is going to be just splattered with Christmas movies here pretty soon. Um, Netflix is definitely going to start amping up their selection of those, um, especially as we get closer to Thanksgiving. And then just after Thanksgiving, it's just going to be Christmas movies for all 10. I'm dreading. So Holiday seems like it's the start of the like the elevated Hallmark Netflix movie that they've been doing a lot of the last few years. And I'm dreading the 
the inevitable Christmas prints four or whatever, whatever <laughs> number they're on that I'm going to watch and hate myself for doing. But yeah, I feel like holiday it's only beginning of that. And I guess I'll watch that sometime this week. I like Emma Roberts. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Mank is the only holiday movie I'm really interested in. So just, yeah, I just want to watch David Fincher, just hate everything and critique Hollywood. That's the joy I get. Out of the Christmas <laughs> season. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> So that is the Netflix top 10. Uh, but then, of course, uh, there are other streaming services. None of them seem to be doing as hot as Netflix right now, except with uh, Disney Plus. But unfortunately, this is not TV babble, so I won't be going into The Mandalorian. Um, but you did watch HBO Max's latest masterpiece, um, if you'd like to talk about that. Uh, I wish I didn't. Um, yeah, I caught up with The Witches, which... If you look at it last week, when you combine that with Rebecca, uh, Netflix's new Rebecca, just a really tough week for re- remakes. Just not what you want there. Um, but yeah, this is Robert Zemeckis' remake of The Witches. And I actually rewatched or watched for the first time The the Witches from 1991, I believe, but um, directed by Nicholas Rogue. So just unbelievable director. No, don't look now. The Man Who Fell to Earth. Just bringing his talents to this just really angry rolled doll story. And it's just, it's amazing how much uh, that story just, it just hates kids because all the, these witches are just basically just terrorizing these little kids for the entire runtime. So I guess for people who don't really know, it's just, um, and in both, in both movies, it's uh, this kid and his grandmother go to this hotel and the grandmother has forewarned him about how witches are real and they're, they, they wear all these disguises and they actually don't have feet. So you, they always wear these just weird, uh, weird shoes and they always wear gloves because they have claws underneath and they're wearing all these wigs and things like that. Um, so he, he, he has a run in with a big group of witches who are about to spread their, this crazy virus that they have just created and it'll turn all the kids into mice in the world. So um, they're just going to go out into the world and spread it everywhere, and all the kids will be evaporated from the from the earth. And it's and it's a Jim Henson production too. So all the when the uh, witches get rid of their um, like all their skin and everything, there's really fun, pretty really gross uh, creature designs. Obviously, just the Henson stuff. It's just it's amazing. And then for basically the second half of the movie you're following um the lead character who has been turned into a mouse because uh, he the witches find him and they turn him into a mouse and so it's just them trying to save the day and get back at the witches and everything and um it's just terrific and then you have so now we have the new robert zemeckis version and it just really sucks like it's it's really really terrible um it's just another – I don't really get what Robert Zemeckis is doing. Like we need to stop him. I don't, I don't understand what he's doing these days. But it seems like this version of what he's doing here, it was just another uh, way for him to just play around with CGI and digital photography, which he's just been doing basically his last few movies, the last few – like last decade or so. He's just been toying around with stuff like that. Um but yeah, this movie is just very, very terrible. It's very bland. He's been writing, he's been writing his last few movies, and uh, they're just really awful screenplays. It feels like he's just more focused on the the effects and everything. Um, except I don't really know. He's he has been. I will say he has been pretty inventive with some of his stuff, like or at least like conceptually, like Welcome to Marwin. Haven't seen the movie. The the stuff that he's playing with, like with like the doll, Steve Carell looks interesting, I guess. Like it's, I guess it's technically inventive quote unquote. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know about the, the execution, but th- what he does with the CGI and the witches is just, it's really bad. Like it looks like it's right out of 2009. And so Anne Hathaway is the star and she's reprising the role that Angelica Houston just does phenomenally in the original movie. Um, but Anne Hathaway is very game and she's doing this just very hammy Russian accent and it's, she's really going for it and trying to have a fun time, but the entire movie. So they made a choice in this new witches movie for all of the witches to when they're, when their guard is down and they're like, they're like, this is my true form. They talk with these very elongated mouths, which 
I describe as a combination of the big Pennywise mouth when he has like the thousand teeth when he opens up his mouth. Um, it's that and then maybe like it's a little it's a combination of that and like the elongated uh, winter winter's tail will smith mouth <laughs> if you remember that movie like it is so um it is just like awful to watch and it looks like just pure rubber like it, it's not, it's not like a good effect it looks really terrible and the in the mice are now all cgi and it just looks it looks so bad it, this movie has is aging terribly already whereas the henson stuff just looks amazing and that movie is just so much more cohesive and just makes more sense um so i recommend you stay away from this go watch more sean connery movies because uh um this movie's just really really bad i don't really get what robert zemeckis is doing anymore he's just the there's the joke in um what in the uh, i'm thinking of ending things there's a really funny robert zemeckis joke in that movie and i feel like this like the witch is like a, is, a, is a good encapsulation of it because i just of what he's doing because it's just so so bad well i need to have seen the witch um to understand this movie <laughs> so yeah that's the prequel so that there was one witch and now there's many so that's that's kind of it so now yeah anya, anya taylor joy's running around doing her thing too um <laughs> it's um just don't watch this movie it's just really bad and, and it seems like, I don't know what kind of numbers this is doing for HBO Max, but I guess this movie costs like a lot of money. Like you can see they put a lot of things into this, but it's just CGI slop and it's gross and not in a way where it's like, oh, that was like well designed. It's just very well, very poorly constructed and it it's very memeable. So I'm, I, I haven't seen a ton of memes about it. So I think that means that people aren't watching it because it's, it's very much... Anne Hathaway looks ridiculous with all this CGI on her, so we could really make fun of this. But I guess that you haven't seen it on your timeline. That just kind of shows how no one really cares about this. But yeah, just go watch the original The Witches. It's just so good. And it's Nicholas Rogue and Nicholas Rogue just hating children for like an hour and a half. It's great. Don't watch this one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I need to see it before I watch Halloween three season of the witch though. So I can really <laughs> get the before and after. Well, I'm rambling over here. Are you just thinking of more witch puns the entire time? Yeah, I'm just thinking of every <laughs> witch movie I can imagine. Um, yeah, this, this is one that like kind of like Artemis Fowl. It was just like vaguely on the side of my radar. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm fine with not having seen that. Um, I really, don't have any objections to passing on these movies so yeah um i think it's going to just kind of sit there at the bottom of the hbo list until the snyder cut inevitably collapses everything that warner brothers has built over the past 90 years <laughs> and it's it's weird too because i i generally i I really like Anne, Hath Anne hathaway i think she's really fun and she is one of the few movie stars we have left and I feel like, did you see Ocean's 8? Because I think she's great in that movie and like definitely the best part of it. Yeah, I so I've never been a huge Ocean's fan, but yeah, I mean, I enjoy all of them and I loved just really the chemistry, like especially her and Kate uh, Blanchett in that movie. Just pretty phenomenal cast all around. Yeah, I think she is so, so funny in that movie. And I feel like she, I think she is tapping into a lot of that like over the topness in the witches, like she's really going for it in this movie. And I feel like if they did like practical effects or things like that, I think it would have worked really well. I think everything around her is just hurting everything that she's doing. Like, I think she's, she is super game and I really appreciate her for it. But the last two years for her, she has been in some mind bogglingly bad movies. <laughs> so she was in a uh, serenity, that movie that came out last year with Matthew McConaughey and I think Jeremy Strong is in that. And I don't want to ruin that if you haven't seen it, but it is one of the most bonkers movies you will ever see in your life. It is insane. Um, and then she came out with The Hustle, which was that remake of uh, Dirty Rotten Scandals with, um, it was Rebel Wilson was in it. And that movie is just really, really bad. It's, it's kind of like amazingly badly written. Like it's like, there's just nothing to it. Um, and then earlier this year, we had our favorite movie, um, The Last Thing He Wanted 
what's just like isn't Heck a movie yeah. <laughs> like that just isn't a movie like it doesn't make sense like what like it's just things happening for two hours then it's over and then ben affleck is just there um but she's in that and now she's in the witches which is just another like what the hell is going on in this movie so um yeah i feel bad for her because i feel like she should be in like the best stuff and she's one of the few people that's like oh and Hath- and hathaway's in that movie i'm gonna go see it she's one of the few people that kind of has that level of star right now um but yeah, she's just been making weird choices. I kind of just, I feel bad for her. I just want her to, to be in better things. Like she was in Dark Waters last year too, um, which kind of breaks breaks up like the terribleness that she's been in. But I haven't seen that movie, but from what I understand, she's mostly just like the wife character who's just like supporting the lead male role um, played by Mark Ruffalo. But yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know what to make of her. I kind of, I just want her to be in better things because I really like her. <laughs> it just makes me sad to see her in things like The Witches. Yeah, my favorite Anne Hathaway memory was um, the Q&A that he went to for the last thing uh, he wanted after the film premiered at Sundance. Uh, was just They were asking her like what drew her to the movie and what she really liked about it. And she just like kept going back to the same answer. Uh, which was a non-answer and just being like, you know, well, I was really excited to work with D Reese and honestly, like, that's just what I wanted. And then would just like contribute nothing to the actual movie discourse because she was very aware of the train wreck that everyone had just witnessed. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I feel bad for her. I mean, she's fine. She's in Hathaway. She's doing okay. <laughs> but um, I just think, I think she's so talented and I think she's really funny and I just want her to be paired up with, somewhat with a good script and like just a good movie because i think i don't know it's just it just makes me sad because she is really she is really really trying in this movie like i i would say in all these like she's not it's not she's not the problem she's really good but it's just like just so much cgi fuckery going around with her just making her look awful every single time it's just i Robert Zemeckis needs to be stopped. Like I don't, I don't know what he's doing. It's so, it's so bad. Like I was just kind of dumbfounded because it's just, it's really, it's really not a movie. The witches, like Chris, there's, it starts with Chris Rock voiceover, who um, nice. never, he never shows up in the movie. He's supposed to be like an older version of the kid, um, and this one, um, I go, I guess he shows up later, but it's a voice role, and I guess I won't really spoil it in case you really want to watch this movie, but you shouldn't cause it's not good, but it's just very baffling. Like it's not, there's no point of him being lending his voice to this whatsoever. And then Octavia Spencer is just sort of there. And then yeah, Anne Hathaway shows up, does kooky things when then has CGI arm, arm things and floats around. And it's just very bizarre for a hundred minutes and then it's over. Um, so don't, don't be like me. Watch something more interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I it's plan, so bad. I plan on this conversation being my only exposure to the movie, so <laughs> we're good. Yeah, I'm trying to like just like throw everything I can out now, get all my thoughts out, so I never have to think about this movie ever again. It's so bad. It's just really terrible. Yeah, just just purge the thoughts from your head. <laughs> it's oh my god, I can't. It's I can't get over it. There are some. There are some faces that the cgi makes her do and you're just you're just looking at it you're like what the fuck like what were they thinking like it's just it feels like it's maybe not finished i I don't know it's just it's just not well done it's yeah i'm done (laughs) (laughs) um yeah (laughs) um that is the witches uh, the latest in the Zemeckis train wreck series. Um, you know, before Nick and I got on, we were talking about um, just like movie movie directors that have unofficial trilogies, like the Cornetto trilogy for Edgar Wright, or the um, like jazz or obsession trilogy from Damien Chazelle. Um, and I think um, Zemeckis is working on his just garbage trilogy. Um, which really, really started with <laughs> Welcome to Marwin um, and is now picking up. But the third act is really where it's going to cement itself. What was like the last good movie he made? Maybe like Flight? I guess people like that one. Kind of, sort of. Denzel? Drunk Pilot, maybe? Other than that, like I can't really think of like the last good thing he made. 
it's just been a lot of very scary like digital photography projects like Beowulf or like the Polar Express or even the walk, which was just an excuse for Joseph Gordon-Levitt in a French accent to do all the, the 3D, like IMAX Honestly, stuff. I would go so far as to say that the only, like, I guess he made contact. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's really made anything that's just, like, blow you away good since Back to the Future, or I guess Roger Rabbit came after that. <laughs> um but since Roger Rabbit and the first Back to the Future, um, I mean, I stand Back to the Future three, but yeah, there's nothing that like I would put on a best directors list. Yeah, uh, or even like just had, like a favorites list. Since then, like he had what Castaway and What Lies Beneath in two thousand, right? Uh, so, okay, yeah, that was, that was a pretty solid year. Yeah, so like, but like you look at I'm I'm looking at his IMDb right now, and you, after that you have The Polar Express, Beowulf, and then A Christmas Carol. Ooh, oof. And then um, Flight, and then The Walk, and then Allied, which, um, who remembers that movie? <laughs> the Marion Cotillard, Brad Pitt spy thing? I don't even remember what, it's Cold War? I don't remember what that movie's about, and I saw that in theaters. <laughs> and then you have Welcome Tomorrow and The Witches. So, um, yeah, he's just, I mean, you know him. Like, he's made some of the most important movies ever, probably, or some, at least some of the most influential. But... I don't know what he's just in this mode now where he's just like, I just want to try weird things with my camera and they're not working. So I don't know. It's, I just think he needs to stop writing his scripts. Cause I feel like he is so enamored by like the technology that he forgets to write interesting things. <laughs> so I don't know. I think he just needs to figure it out, but he also probably has a shit ton of money. So he's just like, I want to do whatever I want. So I don't <laughs> know who knows. Yeah. I think the best way I can describe welcome to Marwin is it's like eating just plain bread it's not toasted there's no <laughs> topping on it it's just a slice of just plain bread and you don't you don't ever outright hate it but you know it's just it's not there you know there's no value to what you're consuming um that's just how i feel about welcome to marwin as <laughs> legitimately like one of the most boring movies i've seen despite like kind of like you said, like some of the visual things he brings to the table with like the Steve Carell G.I. Joe kind of sequences. But but yeah, it's it's a it's a plain white bread, untoasted kind of film. Oh, and so apparently he is he's been tapped to do a live action Pinocchio. So I don't think he's not stopping anytime soon. And he's writing the he's he has a screenwriting credit as well. So He's just gonna, he's he's just gonna keep trying all this crazy CGI shit. Like he's just gonna keep going back to it. So I don't know. I guess he has yeah. a lot of money. He has a lot of good back to back to the future money. He's sitting on. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like there are a couple other Pinocchios somewhere in the pipeline. Like I think Del Toro's working on one, or had been working on one. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe they're um, the same project. And- no, Zemeckis the battle, is doing it. The Battle of the Pinocchios. Oh, so Del Toro is doing a stop motion uh, musical of Pinocchio that's due uh, next yeah, year. That's right. Yeah. And then Zemeckis would be the reboot of the 1940s film. I don't know. He's, Zemeckis uh, is also doing a movie with The Rock. What the fuck? <laughs> what is happening? Hold on. Uh, Tilda Swinton is in Del Toro's Pinocchio, so I'm in. All right. Well, can we just not get the Zemeckis one then? Can we just can we just it? can we just ban that from the from Ooh, existence? I mean, Ewan McGregor is Jiminy Cricket. You got Ron Perlman in there. Tilda Swinton is the fairy. Christoph Waltz, Kate Blanchett, Tim Blake Nelson, John Turturro, Finn Wolfhard. I am I'm all here for. Just give me that. Joke. I don't just think Zemeckis. I'm sorry, Zemeckis. Oh my god. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't want to see this. His Pinocchio. That would. That seems like he'll just do weird shit with the nose just because he can. And I'd be like, look at all this stuff, and we'd be like, oh no, it's all terrible. Stop it. <laughs> I don't know. I just the witches kind of broke me a little bit, as you can tell. It's 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 rough. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll move on to some more pleasant uh, things going on. So the Criterion sale uh, was about a week and a half ago. Um, and I know you picked up a couple things. Uh, this was the breaking of my criterion virginity. Um, so I made my first 
Criterion purchases um, came in the mail this past week. Um, so I picked up The Great Escape, Gilda, and uh, The Last Temptation of Christ. So these are I've, – I've seen Gilda before um, this year, but when I got the Criterion channel earlier this year, I checked out uh, The Last Temptation of Christ. And actually, now that I think about it, neither one of these movies, other movies, was actually on the Criterion channel when I watched them. Uh, but thanks to good old Peacock, I watched The Last Temptation of Christ um, and then managed to watch The Great Escape somewhere in there. And those are three movies that just really stuck with me. I've been wanting to do a Gilda Shawshank Redemption double feature for a while. So with that being on sale, I went ahead and bought those just to make that happen. Um, but just kind of touching on The Last Temptation of Christ, again, I keep a list of new-to-me movies every year. And I rank just like which are my favorites that I'd never seen before that I checked out this year. And I think like that movie is just really stuck with me. And right now the social network is my number one, but I really would not be surprised if by the end of the year I end up moving good old Marty up to the number one spot. That's one of his I haven't seen yet. And I feel like I need to as a, as a fellow Catholic man with a lot of just Catholic guilt coursing through his veins that I probably should watch that at some point. Um, but yeah, I kind of had the same thing too, where, um, so I bought uh, Paris, Texas, uh, the Vin Vendors movie in cold war, which is turning into one of my favorite movies of the last decade, uh, the Pavel Pavlikowski movie that's, um, that came out, I think in 2018. Uh, but the last one I bought was the tree of life. And that was one that was new to me too. I think I watched like a month or two ago for the first time, something like that. But yeah, that's quickly turning into one of my favorite movies. I just, I think it's amazing and it makes me want to just dive more deeply into Terrence Malick and watch everything that he does. Cause I think I have, I definitely have a few holes in his filmography, but yeah, it just, it's cool. I, I always get excited when there's a criterion sale and just get that email. It's like, Ooh, I get to buy all these things that are somewhat overpriced for so much less and get so much cool stuff. Um, so yeah, I can't, I think I'm going to dive into all of these, these this week and watch all like the cool special features and whatnot. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, cause obviously the special features are going to vary a little bit just depending on how old the movie is and like what's available. Um, but the great escape comes with this four part documentary about the actual events it was based on, um, which I think will be really cool to check out. My only real complaint is that the, uh, Rick Dalton sequence, in the great escape is not part of the criterion collection edition. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you can't have everything. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, I think I'm looking forward to the tree of life one. Cause it's one of their bigger, um, like single movie ones. Cause they have like all of like the crazy collections and whatnot. But I think this is like one of the more expensive ones. Cause it has the extended edition, which I think is, almost an hour of extra footage. I think it's maybe 50 minutes. So it taps out around like three, three hours and five minutes or something like that. So I really want to see dive into that and just think about life itself or not life itself. Cause that's a terrible movie, but it's just <laughs> life in general and existence as Terrence Malick wants, wants me to look at it. Um, and it's really cool. Um, I also recommend Paris, Texas for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's just it's like absurdly good and just, makes me feel very very sad <laughs> but it's also amazing <laughs> yeah someday when i have like 38 hours to spare i want to get the war and peace um i guess it's they they offer it as just a single movie because that's kind of how it's presented but it's it's what four movies <laughs> that make up this one adaptation uh but it's it's high up on my criterion wish list whenever the the big next big sale comes around is that your, like your number one? Like what is your, like the thing you most covet right now? Um, honestly, right now, probably the player, which was another movie that I saw for the first time this year. And was just, just, I loved it. Um, especially just like Tim Robbins has just some really good line readings. Um, and there's also like a really good one that opens the movie. And that's another one that's really stuck with me. So that's high up on my list. But in terms of just like when things come on sale, any of the collections like the Before Trilogy, uh, the Three Colors Trilogy, any of the trilogies um, would definitely be high on my list. And uh, to be a true film bro, I need some Kurosawa on my shelf. So <laughs> it's definitely high up there. 
Yeah, there's a few. I think definitely the. I just. I feel like we don't appreciate how much good old Marty not only does for just his movies, how like what he does for cinema and that, but like, I think. I mean, I think we fail to realize just how big of a player he is in world cinema. So I, I do want to check out the the world cinema project shorts that he has on there, which is like this big collection. And the stuff that Criterion really champions. So maybe that's something I want to get at some point. But um, I really think Punch, Punch Drunk Love is one of my lists that I've been wanting for a while. And there was like the big Criterion sale back in, I think it was August, where they do the thing with Barnes and & Nobles and they're all 20% off. And that one was immediately sold out. And I was so pissed because that's the one I really <laughs> wanted. So I think I'll get that one at some point. And Squid and the Whale, Noah Baumbach's movie, I'll want to get that at some point too. But Yeah. I always look at these lists and I feel like, wow, I just need to watch more movies because a lot of them I just have not seen and some of them I haven't even heard of. Maybe I'm telling on myself there, but um, I need to. I just feel like I need just need to watch more. <laughs> when do you think we'll be getting Witches, the Criterion Edition? <laughs> well, I hope it's the 1991 one. I would buy that one because that movie's amazing. Uh, <laughs> um, and just. Also kind of wrapping up back with Sean Connery, uh, Time Bandits is also pretty high up on my Criterion list, uh, which is just like a bizarre time-traveling movie where he plays King, I- I'm going to butcher the name, Ag- Um, but it's Terry Gillen, so I am I'm down. Uh, you had me at Terry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty high on my list. Yeah, turns out this uh, Criterion thing, not too bad. They're all right. I really hope something becomes of this. Like, I don't know, <laughs> should get more recognition. I don't, yeah, I think I don't think anyone's really heard of them. Um, yeah, that is pretty much this week's episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. We'll be back next week talking about whatever's going on. Probably more holiday movies. Uh, probably fewer witches, but you know, who knows? It remains to be seen. Uh, remember, you can always check us out online at moviebabble.com. Thank you.